Welcome to episode 162 of Podcateers. This week, Javier and I talk about the premiere of the Foolish Mortals documentary that we attended, and we talk about watching the new Fantasmic and the Hungry Bear dining package that includes assigned seating. Green Balloons uh, were present at a D23 panel, and we'll tell you why. And I saw another movie at the theater. Ah, I know! We talk about what we liked and disliked about Spider-Man Homecoming. As of this episode, Team Boat Willie is $150 away from raising $2,500 for the Children's Hospital of Orange County. So a big, big, big thank you to everyone that has donated, joined the team, or even passed on the link to your friends and family. Your support means a lot to us, and quite frankly, it's kind of making the world a better place. If you're looking for us on the interwebs, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. Just search for Podcateers. We would love it if you take a moment to follow, like, and subscribe to us. This episode of Podcateers is brought to you by our fairy godparents, which are listeners just like you. Huge shout-out goes out to all of them for their additional support via Patreon. If you would like to join them and become a fairy godparent of our podcast, you can do so for as little as $1 per month or even with a one-time contribution by heading over to patreon.com slash or by going to podcateers.com and clicking on the Patreon logo for more information. If you shop on Amazon, a super simple way to give us a hand is by clicking through podcateers.com slash Amazon before your next purchase. This won't cost you anything extra, but we do get a small thank you commission from Amazon because you went through our link. And so to everyone that's already taken the time to do that, thank you guys. It really helps us out and we really appreciate it. If you're new to the podcast or have been listening for some time, we would like to just say thanks for your support. And also a quick shout out to Ron, Mel, and everyone that's a part of the Die Hard Disney Nuts group that has helped spread the word about the podcast. So that's it. That's going to wrap up the intro. Here we go with episode 162 of Podcateers. This is our podcast. It's about three guys that love Disney, technology, art, and food. This is Podcateers. And that's kind of what everybody said, you know, like even the side conversations when we were walking around. Mm-hmm. I think it was really well received. I, mean, I think so, too. I mean, did you expect what you saw to be like what you saw? Uh, no, uh, I didn't know it was going to be good. that's kind of (laughs) harsh i'm kidding that's that's a little Uh, harsh look but to be fair i don't know uh, about you but i didn't walk in there with uh huge high hopes but Uh, okay you know so let me ask you this then all right what did you expect to see like when you knew when i first told you this Mm -hmm. foolish mortals documentary is being put together it's about haunted mansion fans what was the first thing that ran through your head when i told you about it uh, get me tickets because I'm going because I don't care because it's Disney and it's about the Haunted Mansion. But it's not Disney. It's not an official Disney It's not. Thing. Right. But. But. Was it because it's just Haunted Mansion stuff? Uh, yes. Okay. So I kind of ask you the same question then. Like, mm-hmm. what did you expect to see? I expected almost home videos <laughs> of people showing the outside of the mansion, and then just talking to other people about it. Okay. You know? Which is 
kind of exactly what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't like home movies. Right. Like it, was, it was very well shot. Right. So uh, a little background. So James Carter the third, uh-huh. uh, also the host or one of the hosts of the Creepy Kingdom podcast, wanted to put together this documentary about Haunted Mansion fans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's several documentaries out there already about the mansion itself. That's actually what I thought it was going to be. Oh, okay. So I knew already that a couple of those existed. Mm-hmm. And I've watched a couple of them. They've done a pretty good job with them. Right. And uh, obviously, uh, I've read Jeff Bayham's book, mm-hmm. you know, the unauthorized Haunted Mansion history. And I've read Jason Sorrell's book, which is also... Um, a book about the Haunted Mansion to the movies. And that was right about the time that the Eddie Murphy version of the mm. Haunted Mansion came out, right? Oh, Jeff, thanks for so, the book. Oh, that's right. You yeah, got a book. I got that's a book right. from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's all this stuff that already exists. Doombuggies.com, you know, another great example. Right. Talking about Jeff, that so. exists? Yeah. So there's tons of stuff what on the Haunted is Mansion. This? Right? There's a lot of history. Yes. And there's a lot of people that are interested in the history. But there was never a documentary or anything dedicated to the fans themselves. Hmm. And that's what James wanted to do. He wanted to highlight the fans and highlight a little bit of the culture behind the Haunted Mansion because it's a very unique group of fans, right? Right. A a lot of the fans that tend to lean towards the Haunted Mansion fandom, many people consider to be goths. And all of a sudden, when you're in not the case goth, yeah, you know, no. mode or whatever, right. all of a sudden you're scary, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden like, oh, my God, they're they're going to suck your blood. That's not the case. Uh, okay? Yeah, I think even you have uh, confused what a goth is. They don't suck your blood. They, these are not vampires. Wait, what? No, these are not vampires. Goths are people that just like the dark and darkness what? and dress in black. Yeah, and but, which which there but are. But I've read the internet, Javier. <laughs> the internet says that they drink blood and sleep in coffins. Um, not that article. <laughs> I'm not gonna join you on this one. So, uh, but that's the point that I'm trying to make. That right. a lot of people do have stereotypes. That misconception. Maybe it's a very it's a very big stereotype. Right. And so James kind of wanted to highlight the fact that there's a lot of people that like the haunted mansion mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily you know part of this goth culture. That it just happens to be something that people enjoy. It makes them smile. Yeah. And uh, I think that's kind of where we fall in, right? Like, right. I like the mansion because it has a really nice balance of like the spookiness and the the funny. Right. And we know that that was kind of a mistake because they couldn't, you know, figure out what they were going to do with right. the mansion. But it's worked out well. Right. And I think that's the charming part of the mansion. At least for me, it just maybe the past couple years where I've started pushing back the pirates ride. And the mansion has kind of stepped up to start becoming my favorite right now. Welcome to the dark side. Thank you, sir. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> now, can I drink your blood? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> You're not there yet. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah. So, James wanted to highlight just kind of what Haunted Mansion fans are all about, right? And mm-hmm. some of the people that were highlighted in the documentary really do have massive collections yes. of memorabilia that has to do with the Haunted Mansion. That doesn't even characters. truly describe the collections they have no. by saying huge. No. <laughs> no. No. These are... These are museums in people's homes. Yeah, they basically are museums. Yes. And it's very cool to see. Uh, but then, the, 
you know, he talks about some of the other fans, like Miss Mortis. She has a YouTube channel as well. We met her at the the documentary. Right. She basically wrapped her car in haunted mansion art. Right. And it is one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like it's all. You know, just different characters and like a little different bit scenes of, of the, the like the ride. scenes. Yeah, uh, she's got like a coffin inside, uh-huh. and she plays haunted mansion music, and it looks really good. Uh, I'm gonna post that photo in the blog post for the episode, uh, and I'll throw it up on the Instagram account as well. So head over to podcasters.com/slash 162 or the Instagram account. You guys will be able to see it there. Uh, but you know, that's kind of where it it really goes, right? I think the biggest surprise from watching the documentary for me is that I was talking to Jeff Bayham about this. Right. And my my good friend now. <laughs> your good friend, because now you have the book. <laughs> uh, I was talking to Jeff about this a little bit, and we were discussing how it was nice that he was able to find this like story arc and how it revolved around one particular person. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, like with every few scenes that happened, you kept going back to this primary story and you saw what a dedicated haunted mansion fan he was, right. but also some of the struggles that came along with it, mm-hmm. you know, and he talks a lot about his personal life and stuff like that. And I think that story arc yeah. brought a lot to the documentary. I think it was probably the, at least for me personally, was probably one of the best part of the documentary itself. It, it really, how do I say this? Uh, humanized a lot of these fans. They're, you know, they're not just fans, but they're hardcore. Right. And they love what they love right. from the mansion. No, I agree. The good thing was that there was a little bit of history mixed in also. Like every so often you'd hear, you know, where the mansion came from, a little sure. bit of the boring know, where stuff. This come. That is not boring. <laughs> you need to take that back, sir. Seriously, I am about to spray you and be like, no, bad Javier. Bad Javier. Uh, but yeah, there was some history sprinkled in. And when I started to see that there was interviews before I realized there was, that there was this story arc, right. I started to think, is the whole thing going to just be floating heads talking about the mansion? Right. And the good thing was that, yes... It kind of was that, but it was broken mm-hmm. with this interweave story. And I really enjoyed that. Right. Me too. And, you know, I have to commend James on this because the, the documentary is about 90 minutes. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And it's a good trying length. to take. Yeah. But imagine how many hours of footage he had to take. Oh, like Just two? talking to all these people. No, dude. He's <laughs> got a good 40 to 50 hours oh, of I'm footage. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So curating all of that and putting together a 90-minute documentary that not only is interesting to the Haunted Mansion fan, but also to a non-Haunted Mansion fan. Right. And more importantly, a non-Haunted Mansion fan that really isn't into the culture and the history behind the rides. Because let's face it, there's two types of Disney fans, right? There's the Disney fans that go to Disneyland because it makes them happy. But then there's the other fans that love the history and they mm-hmm. love the behind the scenes and right. they love to see what's behind the curtain. So Yeah, speak, they're more right? than just fans they're fanatics exactly yeah this is kind of geared towards both of those Mm -hmm. and i think it finds a really good balance for them so uh you know telling a story in 90 minutes is definitely difficult i mean i find it difficult to tell a story in a 10 minute vlog 
Right. You know, nonetheless, yeah. putting together this like 90 minute documentary. So right. I really enjoyed it. I know that if you guys take a look at it, especially if you're Haunted Mansion fans, I think you guys would enjoy it too. And I know it's going to be available like on iTunes and stuff like that for pre order very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll put a link in the blog post once that's available. And if there isn't anything available, we'll put a link to the Foolish Mortals documentary website so you can get information on when it will become available. Yes, because I need more. I don't think there's going to be more. I think that's just the documentary, dude. Meaning I want to watch it again. I do want to watch it again. And I don't think it's available now. Mm -hmm. I think they're still working that out. Plus, I think he's going to do another screening. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he's going to do another screening uh, for, like, people on the East Coast. Oh, okay. Uh, At least that's what. Oh, not even here? No, this was just the one screening. Oh, that'd be cool. Imagine if he could do one at, like, Disney World. Uh, no, I'd be jealous. I kind of would be too. <laughs> so I just want to say a quick thank you to James and to basically everybody that worked on putting that documentary together. Everyone was amazing. That event together. Uh, I got a chance to see my, my buddy Rose. She's Miss Mansion. She always dresses up in like the mansion made outfit for like Bats Day. And, uh, she has like variations for Dapper Day. You know who her daughter is? Who's Remember that? on my Instagram account, I posted that little girl dressed as a hatbox ghost. Yes. That's her daughter. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 I was, uh, recently told i know it I was no pretty idea. awesome uh yeah i was very happy check the blog post if you guys want more info and uh yeah that's it all right cool man phantasmic ah yes was it phantasmic uh kind of <laughs> did it have the uh the two exclamation points no ah the, uh, was pirates the scene with pirates was it as amazing as uh, people made it out to be. Oh my God, dude. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let me elaborate a little bit. All right. So this is another vlog that I'm working on <laughs> because you have we too many did, vlogs, bro. No, you don't even know, dude. So, uh, it's another video that I'm trying to put together and I'm hoping that I put this one together this week so that it kind of works with this episode. Uh, primarily because the entire vlog is mm-hmm. primarily phantasmic. Okay, good. So there isn't a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of Fantasmic. <laughs> and the reason we got a chance to see Fantasmic, we saw it twice. Okay. What? And the reason we got a chance to see it twice was because Lynette got us the reserve dining for Fantasmic oh, at the Hungry Bear. That. Yeah. So we got You're a chance like to go front to the Hungry row, Bear. Bro. Well, so, I mean, we're only front row because we got there early enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the way that it works is you choose your dining package, obviously, you purchase your meal, mm-hmm. you go pick it up a- approximately, you know, an hour to an hour and a half before the actual uh, Fantasmic show starts. And we had the Hungry Bear one. It was twenty nine ninety nine per each adult plate. Wow. And you had an option between cedar salt roasted sustainable salmon so it's it's wow. very carefully mm. taken care of okay mm-mm. it's sustainable mm-mm, mm-mm. barbecue chicken okay i can do barbecue chicken blackberry barbecue pork riblets winner okay or a mushroom and leek frittata i'm sorry frittata i'm sticking with the ribs mm-hmm. that's exactly what i got good now as part of the sides that you got with it uh you got frittata <laughs> no, that that was a main dish. <laughs> you just like saying frittata. I thought that, I thought those were French fries. No, no. Part of the sides that you got with it was like this wild rice medley. 
I'm which not a was fan. like cranberry and apricot and grains and stuff. No. Uh, it was pretty good, actually. Was it? I just yeah. gave me white rice, man. No, it was actually pretty good. Okay. I enjoyed it. Uh, and a kale and garbanzo bean salad. Just give me the ribs, man. Okay. So, uh, as far as the drink was concerned, you had Water. a chance. No, no, you you got a soda. But it was this, like, natural blue sky soda. Mm. And you either had this organic orange or cane sugar grape or this, mm. like, sugar cherry vanilla or cane sugar cherry vanilla. That's the one Lynette got. Uh-huh. Uh, I got the orange one. Duh. Of course. For dessert, you uh-huh. also got a twig. A, no, no, you got a blueberry honey cream pie. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, which by itself is about six fifty. Mm-hmm. So again, twenty nine ninety nine for the kids. Nineteen ninety nine. Whoa, that's a okay. bargain. That's like a happy meal. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Did it come with a toy? No, no didn't. toy. No, no toy. How is this a kids meal? Well, yeah, you know. So it was uh, your choice of water, a, a juice box, mm-hmm. uh, chocolate milk, or just regular low-fat milk. Okay. You did. You could get the salmon, the chicken, the the riblets, or the mushroom and leek frittata. Frittata. But it was all in smaller portions. Mm. Okay. Now uh, I did take a couple of pictures of the meal itself. I'm gonna toss them up in the blog post for the episode so people can see what they are getting. Right. Uh, for twenty nine ninety nine. And I said this while I was recording, okay? When I was doing the vlog, I basically said, do I think it's worth it? No. <laughs> because... Not not for, a family of four. That's $100. Exactly. And we spent a lot of money for very little food. Mm-hmm. Now, where the value comes into play is the fact that you get this phantasmic seating, mm-hmm. okay? If you can't get to the park mm-hmm. for rope drop and... You know, because it's so popular right now and you really absolutely want to see Fantasmic, like this new version. Right. And you don't feel like standing around. You want a really good seat along the rivers of America. This is a good option for you. Once you start having to pay for more family members and children, Mm -hmm. the deal becomes more and more expensive and the value becomes a lot less, Mm -hmm. especially if you have picky eaters. Right. Because the kids may not want to eat the stuff that you're buying for them. Mm -hmm. And for 20 bucks, that's an expensive front row seat at the Rivers of America. Exactly. Right. So, uh, again, the food itself, it was tasty. The riblets, and we didn't get these uh, very long before we actually ate them. We basically picked them up, and then we walked over to Harbor Galley. Where's that? It's right where they docked the Columbia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so the area right mm-hmm. in front of the Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's not very far from mm-hmm. the Hungry Bear. But by the time we started eating, the riblets were a little hard. Oh, like They had on. a very good taste, but they weren't you know, Was necessarily. It, cold? it wasn't cold it was warm Mm -hmm. but they were basically overcooked a little bit Mm. you know they were they were a little bit harder than you would have wanted you know to eat ribs and uh again very good like tasty the salad was tasty the dessert was tasty is it 29 dollars worth i personally don't think so okay me personally i think that the adult plate is i would have paid maybe even 25 for it but at $30, I think it was too little food, mm. it, even if it did include the Fantasmic ticket. Right. The kid's plate for $20, definitely not worth it. <laughs> okay? Because for the amount of food that you're getting, yeah. 
totally not worth it. Mm. That's more of a $15 plate, like 12 to $15 in my opinion. Right. Even if it has the Fantasmic ticket, okay? Okay. Would I get that dining package again? Only if I was absolutely desperate to see a show from the very front. Hmm. Otherwise, How desperate are you to watch a show from the very front? Not you, very. Especially since I'm assuming this time uh, you filmed. Uh, I did film it. And you're not going to film again, I'm assuming. Wrong. You want to film this again? Oh, yeah, totally. Why? You said you went twice. Oh, so, yeah. So let me tell you why we went twice. Oh, so. Uh, we ended up sitting right along the fence in front of the Rivers of America, okay. right? Unfortunately, I didn't know that it was all sitting and not standing. And so I sat in front of a pole. <laughs> so you can kind of see. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't no dancing, dance. No. But there was music. But that would have been a good way to pay the meals back. <laughs> so now that in, in retrospect. In retrospect. Yeah. Uh. So, no, I didn't, uh, but I sat in front of a pole, not realizing that it was sitting room only. Did you ask it to move? We couldn't because there was so many people sitting in the area that Mm -hmm. we really didn't have a lot of moving room. Mm. So it was a good seat, and I could kind of see things to the right of the pole and to the left of the pole, but right in front is basically where Mickey would be standing on the stage. Right. Okay. And I realized watching Fantasmic that day that, one – it's really difficult, and my knee was killing me hmm. because my legs were falling asleep from sitting there and not being able to stand up during the show. Super uncomfortable, hmm. and the kids were getting restless, and Lynette was uncomfortable. I just thought, like, as much as I kind of like sitting there, yeah. it was kind of a nightmare hmm. to sit there, all right? That's, not being able to sucks, move. man. Great seats, yeah. and I enjoyed the show, but getting up at the end, kind of a nightmare. Hmm. It was It was uncomfortable. Right. And I didn't talk about that in the vlog mm-hmm. because I was so excited to actually see the show. Right. Uh, but thinking back on it, I just kept thinking like, man, that was actually uncomfortable. Mm. So I went and I talked to a cast member. And because the kids were kind of also like looking back and forth, like they kept sitting on me. Then they kept jumping back at Lynette. They kept getting in front of other people. And they were getting frustrated because they couldn't really see things because we were in front of this pole. So you're right? saying don't take the kids next time. No, just find better seats. <laughs> 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 so I talked to a cast member uh-huh. and quick shout out to cast member Sophia, who was super nice, man. She was able to, you know, just kind of get us to calm the kids down and said, look, if you want to come back for the second showing, let me try to make it up to you. We'll find these seats over here. You can sit on the steps, oh, you know, wow. which was also a roped off area for the same type of uh, yeah. preferred ticket that we had. Nice. And she saved some seats for us and we were able to watch it a second time. A lot more comfortable, though. Okay. Like, our legs didn't fall asleep. The kids were able to see it, and they weren't as restless because they could see everything now. Good. So she totally made our day. Uh, it definitely made up for my poor decision of sitting in front of a pole. <laughs> <laughs> the show itself, as a whole, uh, I actually loved the entire show. Okay. okay. And mm-hmm. I've come to a couple of conclusions from watching it. One, there's definitely several sweet spots when you watch Fantasmic. I never thought of this before, but trying to watch it to enjoy it, but also at the same time to be able to give my thoughts for the podcast Mm -hmm. uh, on it made me realize that there's definitely sweet spots to watching Fantasmic. I don't know how I feel about this. Okay. So the very front or the definite sides because just like before, they shoot up water streams and they're projecting stuff on the water. 
right? But in between the water streams, you can see what's happening in the background. So Uh, you're kind of seeing the back of the magic uh, trick. Oh, so the curtain's being pulled. Kind of. So they make it in such a way where you can't you're you're not always seeing that stuff in the background they have new lights flashing and they play tricks with lights where in certain things for instance they'll flash a really bright light that at an instant they blind you and so they know that they have just a few seconds to quickly adjust what's happening so that it basically looks almost seamless right of hand and i love that I love that they use these like basic tricks right. to kind of go from like different scenes into other things. But again, depending on where you're sitting, you're seeing behind the curtain. So if you really want to truly enjoy the show, make sure that you're sitting right in front of any one of the three water streams. Right. That's the first thing I can tell you. Second, the music, they did a really good job of updating the music. Okay, good. I really enjoyed it. I think the updated music scene, especially like when the elephants are playing, like from Fantasia. Right. I think they did a good job. It makes it more modern. Like the Mm. entire soundtrack is a little bit more modern. It's a little bit more pop music. So you don't hear the original soundtrack in this one? It is the original soundtrack. Just amped Just modified. Okay. Yeah. So it's, like I said, it's a little bit more modern. It's got like a poppier beat to it now than it used to. Yes. But they also added stuff to it. Okay. Like we already knew that they were adding pirates, that they added the Aladdin scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also added... Like Nemo, like they added some parts from like Finding Nemo to it and stuff oh, okay. like that. So they definitely did add more, but the way that they mixed the new audio track, I think they did a really good job with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of hidden things where uh, if you're watching certain things, if you've seen it several times, and this, uh, one of our fairy godparents, Melissa, tipped me off to this, that when the princesses are happening, you know, the princesses will float by and they're dancing and all that stuff. Okay. Right before the princesses disappear mm-hmm. to the left or right side, look up to the left to the highest tree possible and you'll see a little Easter egg from Phantasmic. Hmm. You don't see much in that area, but for that particular scene, you do see something. So I want to give a shout out to Melissa for pointing that out to me. Does it go away? Oh, yeah. It goes by really quickly. Okay. So, so it appears just, and then goes away. Oh, yeah. It's it's really quick. Okay. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to ruin it okay. for everybody. But if you guys see it, just leave like a thumbs up and a happy face or something and like hashtag phantasmic. I saw it. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> just make it up. Uh, so, yeah. So they did a really good job with that. The dragon, Maleficent, that yeah. when she appears, I think they did a really good job of making her look like she moves more organic now. Okay, good. She pops up a lot faster than she used to, so it looks a lot better. How's the fire? Oh, like fire, dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so realistic. <laughs> it was hot. It was uh, yellow and red and orange in the right places. So it's it's real. I mean, look, <laughs> if I didn't know any better, the fire marshal would have come and been like, this looks like real fire, guys. <laughs> so the Aladdin scene, uh, we saw it twice. And the first time, the Aladdin scene was not working. Mm-hmm. They basically. What does that mean? Okay. So, again. If you're sitting right in front, you see the water stream, right. and you see like this video of them flying around. Mm-hmm. 
And in the back, it disappears, and you see Aladdin and Jasmine with a bunch of smoke come out. What do you mean flying? Like the car? They're showing the cartoon on the screen, or not necessarily the cartoon, but they're showing like a flyover. Oh, I of see. like a city or almost something. like soaring over California. Kind whatever. of, but it's more catered to Aladdin. Okay, so it it kind of looks like Agrabah, but not mm-hmm. Agrabah. Okay, but then that goes away. And they reveal Aladdin and Jasmine in the background, mm-hmm. kind of where Mickey normally is, right? Right. And they elevate them to make it look like they're flying. That's like they awesome. move them back and forth. Except it didn't work during the first performance. So they're just sitting on the floor. They were not on the floor, on the carpet. <laughs> so they were sitting there. Uh-huh. And then eventually the smoke came out. So mm-hmm. When I first saw it, I thought, wow, this is really uneventful. But then we saw it the second time, and we saw it how it was meant to happen. Oh, I see. And then I thought, wow, that looks great. Okay. Okay, so if you see them just sitting there, something went wrong. (laughs) Just know that that's not the way that it should be. They're not supposed to They are swaying back and forth, and they are elevated. That's the way that it should look, Mm. okay? So it looks like they're basically flying through the clouds. The second time we saw it, it looks so much better. I really appreciate what they did with it. And can you tell the mechanics and... The second time, no, because they had the fog machine working properly, and so they had all the smoke underneath it. Okay. And the first time, the smoke failed to to start, mm-hmm. and it started almost as their scene was over before the rest of the princesses oh, came out. Yeah. So that's why I was like, wow, this was it? Like, eek. Right. You know? And again, look, this is opening week, basically. Mm-hmm. So... Trying to get you know, the kinks they're out. still working on it, mm-hmm. so I don't expect it to be perfect. Still, you know, it wasn't working. I was kind of sad about it. Now, the one we've all been waiting for. Drum roll, and and and, and bro, I, you know, I love you, but get to the good stuff. I've been waiting what five minutes. Get to the pirates. All right. This is what I want to know. Pirates. Give me some technology. Okay. In general. Uh, I think the scene is very chaotic. Okay. I kind of like what they did to make the Columbia look like a little tattered and torn and kind of make it look like a pirate ship. Okay. The Black Pearl, it is not. Okay. okay let's make that clear. All right. It's but not they the did Black a pretty Pearl. decent job of making it look like a pirate ship. And from what I can tell, all of the cast members that were on the ship mm-hmm. – as the you know the 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 skeletons and the pirate the dead pirates and stuff like yeah. that they basically look like cast members with skull masks running around back and forth on the ship so they were in skeleton halloween costumes pretty much mm. it doesn't look like they were able to get the effect to function properly mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's something that they're going to keep working on or if there was something that I missed. Because, again, I've only seen this a couple of times and I was trying to pay attention to Mm -hmm. as much as possible. So there may have been something that I missed. But from what I could tell, it just looked like they were wearing skull masks. So let me get this straight. Even in both shows that you saw, they were not being projected on. No, no. Okay. Uh, There was a woman bouncing around on the pirate ship, Mm -hmm. and she kept yelling like, oh, Jack, you know, help me. Help me, Jack. Oh, how about this? You know, how about, you know, helping me out? I thought you were going to save me, blah, blah, blah. And it it took me a while to realize that I think it's supposed to be Elizabeth Swan. Hmm. It wasn't very clear as far as the story that they were telling. Right. And seeing her bounce around on the ropes and the pirate ship, I just kind of thought like, Oh, okay, so she's trying to escape from the skeletons. Right. 
and Jack is trying to help her, but then she ends up helping herself somehow. When, like the other scenes, this one I don't think was as well told. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it felt like. It felt right. a little chaotic. But in general, seeing a pirate ship instead of the Peter Pan pirate ship, yeah, I thought was kind of cool. Okay. So I think as a Pirates fan and then seeing Barbosa come out and then kind of seeing this happen, hearing that soundtrack. Wait, Barbosa of- came out? Barbosa comes out right before the ship actually appears. Nice. Like I said, as a Pirates fan, I appreciated having it there. And I think they may end up adding to it later. But in this instance, it was fun, but it wasn't like, oh, my God, you Mm. know, but I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I liked it. It just wasn't it just didn't blow me away. Okay, but that's just me. Right. Okay. Uh, and that was pretty much the new Fantasmic. You know, okay. they, uh, oh, the other thing that they did that was different that I thought was kind of cool was Mickey was interacting more with the individual scenes. And so, like, now when the Lion King scene started, like, you mm-hmm. would see his shadow and he'd be like, oh, cool. What is this? And then he'd, like, be walking into the scene. Okay. So that was kind of cool to All see. Right. The fact that it was his dream and he was interacting more with the scenes. So, yeah. So we saw the second showing from a little farther back. So we had a, a larger visual of the entire rivers. And uh, I enjoyed both both showings of it. The show in general, I think I I don't know it's if it's because I'm necessarily used to seeing what happens at California Adventure now, but mm-hmm. because of all the new lights and because of the extra lasers and everything that they use for projections and stuff, yeah. it seems like it was this like mini world of color. That's what I heard. You know, it but in a like, bad way. Like no, I don't think it's a bad way. I think they did a good job of using some of that technology Mm -hmm. for Fantasmic. Mm -hmm. It's just, it feels more like World of Color Mm -hmm. in some senses than it does Fantasmic. Mm. But I think after you see it a couple of times, you'll just realize that's for this show. You know what I mean? Okay. So I just think it's going to make World of Color a little less special. I don't think so. If they're using basically the same thing for Fantasmic. I don't think so because... Fantasmic has a lot of elements that World of Color doesn't. World of Color is very unique in the sense that they're able to program it with different visuals and different songs depending on what season it is. Okay. Okay, so uh, they do use a lot of those techniques, and it did feel a little bit like World of Color in some senses, but in general, uh, I think it's just because I saw some of the same tech being used. Okay. I don't know if I like it, but okay. Well, once you see the entire show, I know I showed you clips of it, but once yeah. you see it in person, I'm sure in I want to know different. what you what right. you think about it then. And as a matter of fact, anybody that's already seen it, you know, from the listeners, give us your thoughts on the new Fantasmic. You know, was it what you were expecting, especially after all the rumors and what was confirmed and what wasn't? What did you guys think of it? Do you agree with any of the things that I said about it? Or what do you guys, you know, have to say about it? Just leave a comment in the Instagram post or the Facebook post or even on the blog post for it. Again, just head over to podcasters.com slash 162 and just let us know what you guys think about it. Mario? Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's not here today. What? He's not here today. But there's a mic. I know, but he's not here today. And a chair. Do you miss him? Mm, so much. I miss him too. I miss the tacos. No. But we can have his beer. Yeah. Clink. Clink. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I, I mentioned last week that I wanted to talk about something else that happened at D23 on Saturday, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't there to see this. Right. But I read about this and I started seeing all these posts on Twitter about people talking about these green balloons. Right. And right. I'm thinking, like, where are what these green are they balloons talking coming about? from? Exactly. Where are they coming from? And so I finally found this article in the Orange County Register that talked about where this whole green balloon thing came from. Right. Yeah. You know, I actually just want to read the the letter because I don't think I could tell the story any better than the actual person that went through it. <laughs> right. Okay? It goes in depth. It, it really does. Yeah. I'm going to put a link to this in the blog post for the episode so you guys can go see the original article and everything. But this is basically what his letter says. It says, uh, to Do, whom it may concern. You're going to make me cry again. Go ahead. Uh, I know. When, I, when we read this earlier, I, it got me all right. emotional too. So it's, you know, he's sending it to whom it may concern at Disneyland. And it says, thank you, Disneyland. These long days, even at the happiest place on earth, can be tough. My son Trey is six years old and he's autistic. While most parents look forward to a day at Disneyland as a little slice of heaven, it's not always that way for my wife Nancy and I. Trey sometimes responds negatively to noises, to crowds, to chaos. He often growls and screams, covers his ears, and cries if someone bumps into his stroller or he is surprised. In the past, we've had to leave Disneyland before noon because the stimulation is just too much. We would do anything to try to keep him focused on having a good time. This time, we entered the park at 8 a.m., and he told us almost immediately that he wanted a balloon. Not just any balloon. It had to be a clear balloon with a Mickey Mouse inside. And the Mickey Mouse had to be green, his favorite color. We tried to explain that it's better. I love green. Yeah, a lot of people like green. That's why you like the Hulk. (laughs) We tried to explain that it's better to get a balloon on the way out of the park at the end of the day so we don't have to carry it around and risk losing it. We made a deal with Trey. If he didn't scream or cry, if he was nice to other people in line, if he didn't run away from us, then at the end of the day, we would get him a green Mickey Mouse balloon. And I am here to say miracles do happen. It wasn't long before Nancy and I both commented that this was the best day. It may have been the happiest day of Trey's young life. We adopted him at birth, and it has been an endless cycle of psychologists and psychiatrists and medications. But on this day, he was happy. I love that. The only ride he ever tried in previous trips to Disneyland was It's a Small World. Last year, he threw a fit outside because he was scared. This year... He not only rode Small World, he rode the submarine, the Mater ride twice, nice. several rides in Bugsland, and the Jungle Cruise. Love it. Nancy and I kept looking at each other in almost disbelief. Best day ever. <laughs> I so feel for We them. mouthed to each other many times. Yeah. We made it through lunch at Flows without an incident. We amassed 29,000 steps and 14 miles on Fitbit. Nice. Fitbit. Unbelievable. <laughs> Fitbit. <laughs> then we ended the day on Main Street where we saw Santa Claus. We went inside Gibson Girl to get an ice cream. It was dark and Trey said he was tired. He didn't want ice cream. He said because he wanted that green balloon. Yes, we told him. We hugged him and lifted him up and celebrated the best day ever. (laughs) We walked down Main Street toward the exit, stopping at each souvenir shop to get that congratulatory balloon. But they don't sell balloons in the shops. They told us that we had to find a walking balloon salesman on Main Street. Right. We looked down the street, which was a mass of humanity, and we saw no balloons for sale. No way. This couldn't be happening. 
Children were walking past with balloons. Some of them were green. Trey was starting to get a little upset. So Nancy promised him she would find him a balloon. I kept Trey in the stroller by the flagpole as she went back down Main Street with determination. I kept Trey busy listening to the Dapper Dan singing Christmas songs, but Mommy wasn't coming back. I tried to change the deal. What about Mickey Mouse ears with his name on them? I would have given him anything. No, he said, and he started to get upset. We didn't know it at the time, but Nancy had found two Disney cast members. She asked about balloons, and after some calls on a walkie-talkie, she was told that there weren't any more balloons for sale. Ugh. The two employees must have been mothers. They must have seen the horror on Nancy's face. They told her to wait there, and one of them took off trying to find a balloon. Meanwhile, the Dapper Dans finished their set, and it had been a half hour that Nancy was gone. Trey was beyond restless. I was sweating. Suddenly, he jumped out of the stroller and ran away. That was it. I was going to have to chase him down and grab him and apologize for the screaming. Trey, stop, I yelled, but he kept going. He ran through several people on Main Street and into Nancy's arms. She was holding a clear balloon with a Mickey Mouse inside. It was green. Trey was jumping for joy. I threw my hands up in the air like Nancy had just won the Super Bowl. We will never forget that green balloon. Nancy said she hugged the two cast members, thanked them, and told them Merry Christmas because she didn't know what else to say. They didn't charge her for the balloon. To us, that balloon, that day, and that ending will always be priceless. Hmm. I know. Uh, the first time I read that, like I, I could feel the tears coming on. Right. I hate to say this, but because you use it a lot. Uh, the feels? The feels, right? Yeah. The reason it's relevant to D23 is because during this panel with Bob Chapek, he came out and he started talking about this letter that he had received, right? And the, the author of the letter didn't know that it was going to end up in Bob Chapek's hands. Oh, nice. And he didn't know that it was going to become part of his presentation at D23. And because uh, I, I believe that the author of the letter is also a writer for the Orange County Register, I'm not exactly sure on mm -hmm. the details, but that's what it kind of seemed like from what I was reading. Uh, and I could be wrong, but that's at least what it seemed like to me. Yeah. During the presentation, all of a sudden... You know, Bob Chapek has one cast member come out and they read that letter out loud to everybody that's there. Soon after sh the cast member was done reading the letter, a bunch of other cast members come out carrying green balloons. Oh. And they just start <laughs> passing them out to people oh, in the dude. audience. And while they're doing this, yeah. they're singing When You Wish Upon a Star. Mm. And I've seen these little clips of it, dude, and it was one of the most magical things that I've ever seen. Like, just reading the letter and seeing the clips and knowing the context behind it, uh, I, I, I got kind of emotional about it. Mm -hmm. Because as a father, you know, there's you always deal with, like, the tantrums and your kids just being, you know, overly hyper and apologizing, you know, for them bumping into other people and stuff when they're restless. But, you know, we have friends and family that have autistic children and right. they they go through a lot 
more experiences that makes it really difficult for even them to enjoy a few minutes to themselves. Right. And so as I was reading this letter, all I could think about was this really was a magical experience for them. And this is a type of Disney magic, you know, that everybody wants to feel and, you know, they, they want to experience. So I just wanted to share that letter because one, I thought it was, you know, a very great day. It was very amazing and it was very touching, but it, it just made me think like, what are some of the experience that we've had, you know, or even the listeners have had that have just been like, just that magical for you. Right. You know, so uh, if you guys have any stories where you guys have experienced something magical like that, uh, maybe not to that level or maybe to that level and beyond, you know, leave us a comment or send us a message or an email and let us know what you guys have experienced. And, you know, maybe we can read them in some upcoming episodes. Yeah, that'd be great, actually. Yeah. Now I want a green balloon. You know what? It's it's funny because when I was reading the comments on Twitter, a lot of people were like, wow, I'm never going to see a green balloon the same way again. Right. And really what prompted this was I kept seeing all the green balloon posts and I just kept thinking, like, what is this green balloon thing? And I, as I dug further, I finally saw another post that said hashtag green balloon, hashtag autism awareness. I thought, oh, well, what does it have to do with that? Because it's my understanding that autism awareness is lighted up blue. That's right. their campaign, mm -hmm. right? So I was like, what did, where did this green balloon come from? Right. And so that's how I ended up finding the article, you know, and I'm uh, happy that okay. I did. It was, oh, it was yeah. a really great article. It's a good accident. Yeah. So again, I'm going to go ahead and put up a link to the article so you guys can go check it out and see the rest of it. A couple of pictures that they posted and everything. Uh, just head over to podcasters.com slash 162 if you guys want to check that out. Perfect. Uh, so uh, last thing I want to talk to you about today is I finally saw spider-man homecoming shut up oh yeah it's still in theater i know how did I you know. do this um lene got free tickets <laughs> <laughs> all right she she wants some tickets at work and it so, all makes sense uh we decided to leave the kids with my mom and Perfect. we went to the movies and saw spider-man homecoming she did not have a very good experience she had Ooh. a problem with one of her contacts Lynette? And yeah, she oh, had a no. problem with her contacts, and she, it was difficult for her to enjoy the film. So we may end up watching it again. <laughs> what she do? Just see half the screen? No, I, I don't know what was wrong, but she, <laughs> she had problems with her contacts. And yeah. like, as a contact wearer myself, yeah. I know the problems. Mm. Okay, So I totally felt bad for her. Uh. Uh, so I saw Spider-Man. You've seen it already, right? Yes. Now, before we jump into what I thought about it, what did you think of Spider-Man Homecoming? I think it's the absolute greatest Iron Man movie I've ever seen. Is that really how you think? This or is, is, or really. is this what you're saying because <laughs> you're just trying to be a jerk because, because Iron Man's in the Spider-Man movie and not the Hulk? No, no, no. There was two Iron Man characters in this movie, and I absolutely hated that part. Okay. Uh, that's fair. I think you're absolutely wrong. No, not <laughs> at all. I think you're absolutely wrong. I hated why... that there was two Iron Men in this movie. Two. Tony Stark and Peter Parker. I did not like that whatsoever. The movie shouldn't have been called Homecoming Spider-Man. should have been coming home to two Iron Mans. Wow, you, uh, you seem fairly passionate about that. I'm not even angry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's what I think. 
Uh-huh. Uh huh. One. You love Iron Man, so you love this movie. A little bit, <laughs> but in general, mm-hmm. my favorite Spider-Man movie to date. Mm. Even over the Tobey Toby Maguire, Maguire one. Even over the Tobey Maguire Bro, one. Bro, we grew up on Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And now that I've seen this one, this is my favorite one. <sighs> okay. Okay. And and yeah. I'm even going to go as far as saying it would still be my favorite if every scene with Tony Stark was removed from the movie. Interesting. You know why? Because, because it was good. Spider-Man had an Iron Man suit. That's nope, why. He nothing was, to do with that. He was mini, mini uh, Iron Man. You need to get over that, okay? No. Totally no. Totally not the case. I'm not getting over this part. Totally it's, not the case. It's the whole point of did, this movie. Did I love the fact that the spider suit had a bunch of tech in it? Yes, I did. It's ridiculous. Thought, okay, it could have been ridiculous, but I think it worked really well with the way that they made the story. Okay? No. Now, here's why I like it so much. And I kind of briefly touched on this in the past. Just, And this was just from seeing the trailers, okay? Right. I will reiterate the fact that I think this is the best Spider-Man because in this one, you really saw Peter Parker just be a teenager. Okay. Okay. There was a lot about this Peter Parker that was very genuine. It was very humble. He was scared, you know, of -hmm. of simple things, like simple things that a teenager should be scared of. Uh, There was a lot of back and forth with the parents and the other students and showing his life and just these like little one-liners here and there made you feel like it was a high school student. Right. In the other Spider-Mans, I never got that feeling. Tommy McGuire. Okay. Never got Rewatch that feeling it. from Tobey Maguire. I did. That's school. the thing. I saw it before I watched Homecoming precisely for that. And you see because, his struggles. Nope. When I saw the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I did enjoy the movie. Okay. I think it was really well done. And for its time, I think they did a really good job with that movie. Even the technology and the special effects were better in to the Tommy Maguire movie than this one. Oh, I have some stuff to say about that too. Good. So, um, in general, I really enjoyed the Tommy Maguire version, but this one I felt really invested in the storyline because it felt more genuine. The Tommy Maguire version felt like a twenty-something-year-old playing a fourteen-year-old. Well, here's the and thing. And in this one, uh... I didn't get that sense. Like I really felt like Tom Holland was this fourteen-year-old kid mm-hmm. going through these struggles. Right. I didn't. I was able to suspend that belief more with Tom Holland than I was with Tobey Maguire, because with Tobey Maguire, it was very much like I'm a superhero. Yes, I'm all about being Spider-Man. And you kind of got a little bit about this, but you saw so much more fear in like, what am I getting myself into doing this with Tom Holland? Mm -hmm. And it felt more genuine. That's why I enjoyed it more. Okay. Okay. Now, special effects wise, oh, there was some really poor special effects. Dude, it was bad. There were some really poor ones. And I'm going to blame Sony on this one (laughs) because there's... Especially for some reason, uh, it actually got better as the movie went in deeper. The beginning, uh, like maybe the first half, dude, I don't know who did it. They were really bad in it some bad. cases. And even towards the end, uh, I'm not going to – I'm just going to say this. There is a scene on a rooftop, mm-hmm. okay? And, oh, my God, you can totally tell that it's fake, mm-hmm. you know? And I just keep thinking to myself, 
if Marvel Studios was completely in charge of this, that would not have flown. <laughs> it would have been so much better, you know? So, yes, I think... Like, I kind of see Spider-Man right now as kind of the Oswald of the Marvel Universe. Interesting. All right? Like, it belongs to Marvel, mm -hmm. but Sony owns the rights. Right. And so they're kind of doing what they want, mm -hmm. and Marvel's trying to get them back. Right. You know, so the fact that they were able to team with Marvel Studios to put this film together, and or team with Disney, really, you right. know, to put this film together, I think it was a good common ground mm -hmm. for both of them oh, and great. i think they did a really great job with right. that and i'm happy all three parties were involved uh except for sony uh yeah kind of right, right. <laughs> i'm happy that that they were able to work it out and make this happen uh not just for you know uh their wallets but for the fans exactly that, you know exactly because a lot of people that have read the civil war series like the the comic nerds mm -hmm. right like when like I remember reading that series and just thinking to myself, you know, th this is one of the most amazing pieces of, and yes, it is literature, okay? Literature <laughs> that I've ever read. Like, right. those graphic novels were amazing. Right. And knowing that they started, when they first started talking about, you know, phase one of, you know, the MCU and phase two, and I just kept thinking as I got deeper into it, thinking like, but they don't own Spider-Man. Right. You know, how is that how eventually, they gonna do this? you know, how mm -hmm. is that going to happen? And so we have our answer. You know, they did a really good job with it. And now we know that Spider-Man is going to be an Infinity War. There's going to be a Spider-Man 2 coming from Sony. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is going to be an Iron Man 4. This was not Iron <laughs> Man 4. I don't know. And as far as Tony Stark appearing, yes, it does change. Uh, it does change Peter Parker's story a little bit as mm -hmm. far as how he comes up with the suit and all of that stuff. But I think in order to bring Spider-Man into a crossover universe that technically doesn't belong to Sony, it belongs, you know, to Disney and to mm -hmm. Marvel Studios, I think they integrated Tony Stark just enough. Like, it wasn't like overbearing Iron Man throughout the yeah, entire movie. To you, it seems like that because you much. don't like Iron Man. No, I like Iron Man. No, you don't. don't you've, dude, you've made it don't very put, public. Don't put words in my mouth. You've made it very public and you've said, no, I hate Iron Man because <laughs> you like him. It's all about the Hulk. <laughs> it's it's not easy being green. I was like, dude, that's Kermit. And you're like, I don't care. Hulk power. <laughs> Hulk smash. I remember that was a conversation we had. Okay. That was supposed to be off the mic. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, let me take it all back. Forget you guys just heard that. <laughs> But honestly, I really do think that they added just enough Tony Stark mm -hmm. uh, to make it relevant to Infinity War and going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it was Iron Man 4. Uh, yes, it was. And let me, let me uh, elaborate. This suit can make anybody with superhuman strength into Spider-Man. This kid said it best. And when he said uh, something in the lines of, I am nothing with this suit. Guess what? He is nothing with that suit. He can't shoot spider webs. I don't even know if he can even climb a wall without the suit. Okay? All he has is super strength. That's all he has. If it's not for the suit, he can't do anything Spider-Man in the comic book can do. So you're already wrong on two fronts. What? One he can climb on walls without the suit. Oh, wait, yes, because he, can. he did it he in did. his in, in his little sweats or whatever uh -huh. that you saw in the trailer. Yeah, 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 he did. And he can shoot webs because he comes up with the mechanism and the web juice or whatever mm -hmm. in school. 
uh, yeah, my point is it should be just like Tobey Maguire. It should be internal in his arms being able to shoot. I'm pretty sure if if this suit can pretty much do anything it wants, I'm pretty sure Tony Stark can make the suit be able to climb on walls as well. Probably. Okay. So if that's the case, Captain America could have worn the suit and become Spider-Man. Right. And what's wrong with that? That, that, that there's nothing special with this spider boy. That this, this boy that got bit by a spider, radioactive spider, has nothing other than human, superhuman strength. And, and climb on suit. walls. And this suit and climb on gives walls. him the ability to be Spider-Man. No, wrong. The suit gives him the ability to be a stronger Spider-Man mm-hmm. and more efficient Spider-Man. Because remember, in the movie, That's he was cheating. wearing his sweats and he was wearing like this like homemade right. junky suit. Mm-hmm. And he made his own web shooters. So basically, he was Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He does have those gifts. The suit only made him more efficient and more powerful by adding this it's technology cheating. to it. It's not cheating. It's cheating. If you have the ability to upgrade, upgrade. Uh, no, not a not a not a superhero. Superhero uh, should have its uh, I guess weaknesses, but it should be natural. And he does have weaknesses. weaknesses. Uh, Spidey senses never played a part in his movie as I was afraid that it was. They might play it in the second part. I don't know. It's going to be Siri telling I mean, him, hey, they, look You got to think about it. You got to think about it. He's going through puberty right now. He's a teenager. He's I, 14 still, years old. I'm still not going to agree Maybe with that, Maybe the bro. spider sense comes in at a point where the suit fails. I'm not going to agree with that. I'm sticking with the story with he is now – been bitten by a radioactive spider he should have all those uh senses already i think though they it, if they're not going puberty. to use it i Especially, think that if they're going to use it he's an older teenager i think that if he's going to have spider sense and if they feel that they can make sense out of it it's gonna come in the next film i don't think it's gonna have i think they did a good job explaining it because he's still trying to figure it all out and he's trying to balance it being a teenager I'm telling you, I think there's going to be more stuff that he finds out about being a spider in the second film. I hope it's less suit. Well, it won't be because now they've established that it's that suit. Mm, Not happy. You're just not happy because it's good. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm bashing it, but I love the movie. The movie was actually really good. Yeah, I think they did a good job. They did a great job except for the suit. Other than that, I was on board. The movie was good. The storyline was good. I loved, loved, loved Beetlejuice in this movie. He was amazing. Beetlejuice. <laughs> I just couldn't get over the fact that, like, that dude's Batman. <laughs> I know, that right? dude is Batman. Yeah, and, and Birdman. You ever see Birdman? And Birdman, yeah, exactly. So and now he's here. Very convincing yeah. as a villain. Yeah, I love He did that. a really good job yeah, with it. Great actor. Uh, Michael Keaton, I'm telling you, just amazing. Yeah, he did a really good job with that. Uh, let me ask you a question then, considering you're so against the suit. Right. If Bruce Banner was the you know, the brains behind the suit and Peter Parker just happened to be Bruce Banner's protege and they together came up with this technological suit, would you have been happier? Yes, in the sense that it wouldn't have been all techy. It would have been science. What if it was techy? Because the tech is built mm. on science. I think that uh, there's science involved in the tech. 
no, I get what you're saying. I'm saying it would have. I feel like it would have been more about uh, enhancing what he has without the technology. But what if it was the technology? No, I, I can't get behind technology. That's Iron Man. That that is his niche. That's his. That's his tech. Everybody has something special. This fool, he has. Well, he's, they they he's all rich. benefit from he's Tony rich, though. And he's able to buy and create his tech. But Fine. all of them that's benefit him. from Tony. No, that's him. Think of another character. Do uh uh Black Widow, does she use his tech? Yes. No. no. Yes. A gun? They all use his tech. Maybe including for, Captain America. Maybe for communication. Who made Captain America's maybe, shield? Maybe Stark Tech. Maybe for communication. No. The shield and the armor and everything that the Avengers wear, mm -hmm. all of that was either made by Tony Stark or Howard Stark. It's and all a Stark creation. Nothing with the Hulk. Well, Hulk, the Hulk doesn't need anything. Well, he's a big green monster. <laughs> like, what more does he need? I don't like the Tony Stark tech. It's good with Tony Stark. That's his thing. That's it. You're such a hater, dude. I'm not a hater. <laughs> You're such a hater. Every superhero in the Marvel world should have their own thing. You're such a hater. It shouldn't if be. If it was Bruce Banner, you'd be singing a whole different story no, right I'm now. I'm going to disagree. It, this should not be uh, Iron Man and the Iron Man team. It shouldn't be. And that's what I feel he's created with Spider-Man. He's taken him under his uh, uh, Iron Man wing. and No, technically Civil War did that. It was Team Iron Man and Team Captain America. <laughs> so technically, Civil War did that. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Spider-Man needs to be Spider-Man, not, not mini Iron Man. That's all I'm saying. I don't like it. I'm not on board. Uh, the suit, fine. It could have, you know, uh, helped a little. Like maybe uh, able to zip up quicker. To put on the suit. Oh my God! You mean technology <laughs> to zip something up? <laughs> but everything else, uh, I think his visions should be spider enhanced, not by tech. I don't. I think he should have had Spidey senses, not Siri telling him, "Hey, look out!" That's what Spider Man is supposed to be. I think, for the sake of storytelling and for it to fit into this universe, I think they did a good job. Cop out. Not a cop out. Cop out. Because every one of the superheroes Cop has first. had things changed uh -huh. in order for it to fit into the cinematic universe. They crowbarred this story into it. I don't like it, bro. They they did kind of crowbar it in because they want Spider-Man to be a part of Infinity War. Mm -hmm. And this was the easiest way for that to happen and for Sony to allow it because they don't own Spider-Man. They could have pulled back on technology. That's all no. I'm saying. They could have pulled back. Every, almost every one of them has changed. Uh, all of them have storylines that have changed in order to fit the cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. Like Ant-Man is probably the most glaring of all of them. Mm -hmm. You know, how the Ant-Man suit came to be and, you know, the, the villains and everything. Like all that stuff was changed. Like, uh, And I'm glad they've changed it. Like the costumes have all changed and they mm -hmm. all look better than the ones in the comics. Speaking of better, what did you think of? the appearance of the suit. Like, I feel like a lot of us weren't really on board with the, with the design of it. I think that after watching the film, 
uh, I think it was okay because it was old school enough that you kind of got I, I think it could have been a little brighter blue a little brighter red I think it was too dark hmm. but then again none of the costumes in the new like cinematic universe are as bright as they used to be in the comic books mm-hmm. so I think it was sleek enough that it looked updated but uh, it still had a lot of the elements of like that original suit like I think if they if they went with like different color boots and stuff that mm-hmm. made it like really distinguishable to Spider-Man right. uh, I think it may have been a little bit better but again they've changed so much of the characters and their costumes that it just fit this new style. Okay. I don't know if you remember how I felt about it. I don't. I don't really pay attention to you. <laughs> um, but let me guess. You hated it because Tony Stark came up with it. <laughs> no, just the, the exterior uh, appearance of it. At the beginning, I didn't like it. Uh, throughout the movie, I think uh, it grew on me, to be honest. I think I was just uh, not being fair and comparing it to... Uh, you know, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man suit, which I completely still love to this day. Which was much brighter. It was it closer was, to the original. Really nice. Yeah. And even the amazing Spider-Man with, what's his name? Andrew Garfield. I thought his suit was by far the best designed, but I still love Tobey Maguire's. So I compared it to those two, and I just didn't like this cartoony looking one that they made for Homecoming. But while I watched the movie, it grew on me. So I was fine with it at the end. Yeah, like I said, I think it just fits the style of mm-hmm. the of the costuming of the MCU, because the other ones don't have didn't have Marvel Studios to deal with, mm-hmm. right? Marvel Studios knew the look that they were going for that they wanted to incorporate, mm-hmm. and they made that look happen. You know, the other ones didn't have that, and in the Amazing Spider-Man, that was probably the closest to the original one that you're probably gonna get. Yeah, that was you know, a great just color wise, I think it's as close to the original one. Right. But because they've kind of muted all the colors on all of these costumes, uh, I think it really fits the style of these updated costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Okay. All right. Well, we would love to hear what you guys have to say about this. Now, you guys have heard us argue about it. <laughs> Javier's being an absolute hater. Hey. And what? You are. <laughs> what did you guys think after watching Spider-Man Homecoming? Did you guys feel that it was more Iron Man and less Spider-Man? Or were you okay with some of the new technology because it just helped the movie progress? And what did you guys think of this Spider-Man versus, let's say, Tobey Maguire's since Javier brought it up? You know, of the two, which one did you like more? Did you think one was more teenager-y than the other one? And if so, why? You know, let us know in the comments of the blog post, Facebook or Instagram post or shoot us a message on Twitter. You know, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say about this and what your thoughts are on Spider-Man Homecoming. Tobey Maguire is obviously going to win. But, you know, for those that that think their opinion matters, go ahead and think. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, there was just so much (laughs) more genuineness to this one. Like, I don't know. There's that one scene in the original Spider-Man where um what's her name trips and mm-hmm. then he just like jumps up all of a sudden and like he's Spidey so senses. smooth and nonchalant i'm like boom i saved you <laughs> it's like 
fantastic. No, dude, that was just so it was so sleek uh-huh. that just like him being yes. all ripped all of a sudden it's and just instinct. like no, yes. it just dude, it you're gonna you're gonna talk seem, about rip. It just makes freaking him Captain seem, America. That was his whole story. But that no, but and that's what I'm saying. Like got, in this one. It seemed more genuine uh-huh. that he continued to just be. Why are we arguing about this? We already made all these arguments. <laughs> Let's just close out the podcast. Let's close it. All right. Okay. So this episode, like every other episode, <laughs> is brought to you by our fairy godparents. And we just want to say thank you to all of them for their added support via Patreon. If you would like to become a fairy godparent of our podcast, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. Uh, just by heading over to Podcateers.com and clicking on the Patreon button or going to Patreon.com slash You'll find more information there. Uh, quick update. Team Boat Willie. Hey. You guys are rocking it. Yeah, they I are. I can't even begin to tell you how happy I was that I think we're almost at 20 members that are going to be walking nice. with us that day. And as of this episode... We're super close to $2,500 raised so far for Chuck. Love that so much. Thank you guys for all of that. Thank you guys for sharing the links and telling your friends. Uh, It was definitely way more than we expected, and we could not be happier with all of the support that we are getting. Exactly. Uh, If you guys want to find us on any of the social networks, just search for Podcateers. That's P-O-D-K-E-T. E E R S double E R S. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. Uh, this week, I'm going to be working on a couple of videos, and I hope to put them up just you know within days of putting up this episode. I want to put up the Fantasmic video first. Mm-hmm. That way, if you guys haven't seen it and you guys are curious about to, uh, about what it looks like, you guys will be able to head over to the YouTube channel and check that out. Still working on the vlog from the Foolish Mortals documentary that we went to go watch and a couple of vlogs that I want to put together for my time at D23. Perfect. So that's that's it, dude. That's going to wrap it up. Good. I need my pillows. <laughs> you got anything else before we close it out? Mm, nothing. Sweet. All right. So until next week, here's to be your shoes and make your ears. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Go get them, Tiger. spider-man from the beginning has web shooting out of his wrist no he doesn't without technology no he doesn't yes he does no he doesn't from the beginning toby mcguire had it coming out of his wrist but in the comics sense but in the comics Peter Parker has a device that he uses to shoot webs. No, they don't. Just like Tom Holland. No. He sure does. No. He sure... Why are we still arguing about this? Because back then, they probably would have had him shoot him from his butt. That's why. Like a true spider. I... Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, oh my, wow. Just wow. You're going to have a little machine coming out of his butt. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. (laughs) You're done.